welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and with me this week is everyone's little sister, Nita Wajaya. <laughs> That's very funny yes. because I'm the big sister. Everyone's, no, everyone's little sister. <laughs> everyone's older brother, Scott Reed. Yeah. And everyone's crazy uncle, Bill Muffin Cow. Basement man. <laughs> uh, Scott, would you uh, pray for us, please? Sure. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can be together. Uh, it's really good to be back around this table getting ready to talk about you and your word and things that matter, and we just pray, Lord, your blessing on this time that we would uh, that we would talk about those things, that we would grow closer to you because of this conversation, that everyone who hears it would be blessed by it. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, Scott, I like your haircut. Thank you. It, yeah, it is. looks it is. brand new. It is. It's <laughs> however many hours ago it was 945 old. <laughs> Do you, does Leah cut your hair? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And my beard, but you can't see that. It's a secret. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's behind my mask. <laughs> uh, well, I am not prepared at all for Would You Rather, so we're just gonna we're just gonna do the old fashioned. You know what? We're gonna do the really old fashioned. I'm gonna ask one question, and we're all gonna answer. Ooh, it. okay. Um, this one's for I you, don't know Dan Marcello. <laughs> I don't know that we've done this one or not. <laughs> I like the phrasing of this, um, so I'm gonna go with it. All right, so the question is, would you rather be way too tan in a gross, unhealthy way oh. or always wear way too much gold jewelry? Uh, yeah. Well, Nita, you're up first. I'll take the golden jewelry. <laughs> I don't, in a gross way, I'm not sure. Gross what, and unhealthy. Oh, yeah. I'll take the other one then, yes. I'll, I'll I'll go with the jewelry. Uh, yeah, the unhealthy thing is what scares uh-huh. me. Is like what's what's the adverse effect of being way too tan? Skin cancer. Mm. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Though I mean, too much gold could really hurt your neck. After long enough, you know, it really starts to mess with your neck muscles, pulling your head down. Hmm. I'm I'm still going with the gold, mm-hmm. and it's because of the skin cancer. Yeah. For some reason, I was thinking of like a spray tan because sure, I don't know why. Yeah. But the skin cancer is definitely my concern about the gold is like Chicago is kind of a dangerous place. Now I know we're not in Chicago proper, but like it, it, it says always, right? Yeah, if you go into Chicago with like way too much gold jewelry, that's kind of a risk. So I think I'm going to go with the gold because I don't want skin cancer, but I think I'm also going to have to never go into the city again. <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Well, like that's it. Like Mr. T. Like Mr. T. Mr. Terman. Like me, Mr. T. Nita, would you please give us a number between one and a thousand and one? Eighty-one. Eighty-one. Mm. Uh, this comes to us, of course, <laughs> from uh, a thousand and one things you always wanted to know about the Bible, but never thought to ask by Seminole, Florida native. <laughs> J. Stephen Lang. Where are you getting these facts? I found from? more facts. I just I Google him and I just keep finding, like, opening up new pages, like the Goodreads page, the Google Play Store page, the Wikipedia page, and all. Nice. Eventually, he doesn't actually, he doesn't have a, a, a Wikipedia page. Um, but, but he will soon. By the end of my research process, I'll be able to write it. Uh, number 81 is in the section in America. 
the Emancipation Proclamation. President Lincoln was a devoted Bible reader. He claimed the Bible moved him to issue his Emancipation Proclamation freeing America's slaves in 1863. He noted especially the words of Exodus 6, 5, I, God, have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. Um, yeah, we've talked about a little bit about Lincoln and a couple different presidents and their their relationships to the Bible. Though Lincoln, I think, is is maybe the most quoted uh, that I'm familiar with in American culture in terms of his devotion to the Bible, other than Thomas Jefferson's writing his own version of the Bible. <laughs> um, uh, I'm interested in in sort of the opposite perspective, and I wish Daniel was here because he uh, has actually read a decent amount about this. But I think you have too, Scott, of like. Uh, I guess you'd say like Southern pastors trying to justify slavery, mm-hmm. um, right? Uh, Southern Christian communities trying to either ignore or justify slavery um, or or maybe justify is the wrong word, but kind of be like, well, the Bible doesn't really say anything about mm-hmm. enslaving other people. Um, Bill, are you familiar at all with how, you know, in the 1800s? What I pick up on is, it's almost an argument from silence. There's no commandment that says thou shalt not have slaves. Paul's living in a era where there are slaves. Hmm. He tells them, if you can, get your freedom, but stay where you were when you were a Christian. Right. So it's, it's not exactly a vitriolic denunciation of slavery. Right. But slavery in Bible times was so different than American slavery. Mm. And that's what the preachers were leaving out. Mm. Slavery was a lot like simply employment. And the Israelites were to be freed from slavery every seventh year. Right. And then the Romans with their slaves, they were employees essentially, and you could be freed in a fairly short amount of time. You're not going to lose your whole life to slavery. Hmm. Some of those slaves were, it, it worked like this. The Romans would win a war. They would cherry pick people to be brought back to Rome. They're cherry picking people who are scholars, teachers, medical doctors. And then they want some people who are good cooks so your slave might be way smarter than you, and you know it, but you picked him because you want him to be the mentor of your own children and teach them. Mm. So they, they would be treated far, far better than an American slave. Sure. Mm. Far better. There's no, no comparison. Mm. Yeah, the, the Southern pastors were wrong to do it, but they were just trying to appease their congregation because their congregation were, they were all slaveholders. Right. Committed to economically committed to the, yeah the practice for sure. Scott, are you familiar at all with any of like the explanations of sort of pre-Civil War American Christianity's relationship with slavery? Um, not too much beyond what Bill just said. That's about the extent of, of my knowledge. The the argument from silence and then the notion of the differences between yeah. the kinds of slavery. I haven't actually read too much about it. What are other arguments of, from silence that, that we can run into from the Bible? And are there any that are sort of 
true, right? That are accurate, that it's like, well, the Bible kind of leaves us to our own devices when it comes to this area. And weirdly, that's actually related to something that we'll talk about later in the show. Um, but like, are there, you know, what are other arguments of silence that, that get brought up or have historically been brought up? I know, Bill, you're pretty familiar with a lot of different heretical groups from throughout <laughs> history, so I'm sure you've got a couple. Um, I wasn't thinking of a heretical group. I'm thinking of like church government. Hmm. That's an argument from silence. You, you look at the New Testament and say, well, how are we supposed to govern our churches? And no matter where you land, if you're a Baptist, you say, well, it's obvious. They're all autonomous. <laughs> okay. And if you're Presbyterian, you say, no, no, they had structure and they, they had a top down. I mean, those apostles, they were at the top. And hmm. so you, you can look at it and make a case for every single form, but it's pretty obvious Something's going on in Scripture that none of us are adhering to, and that is they spent an enormous amount of time in prayer, hmm. prayer meeting, and very little in committee meeting. <laughs> yeah. Huh. For God so loved the world that he did not send a committee. <laughs> One of my favorite verses. <laughs> Scott, you got any uh, arguments from silence that you're you're familiar with? Uh, one that I don't think is actually quite accurate, but it, could be, it gets brought up a lot, particularly these days, is the notion that because Jesus, well, I've heard Jesus and Paul, which I think is provably false, um, but even Jesus, I think, is also false, because they didn't say anything about homosexuality mm -hmm. that's relegated to Old Testament law, you know, and if, you know, if you're holding on to the Old Testament law, you're just really just picking and choosing what you want to be because mm -hmm. you're not following the laws about fabrics and shellfish and all that stuff. Right. So that's, that's a pretty popular argument from silence, which again, I don't think is actually true. Hmm. Um, but I don't think it's true that Jesus didn't say anything about it. Hmm. Um, and I also don't think that even if he hadn't said anything about it, that would somehow negate there there's lots of there's lots of really compelling arguments for what the bible has to say about homosexuality yeah. practicing homosexuality um and i think it's it is pretty obvious that it is a sin and i think jesus affirmed that mm. you know jesus said he did not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it mm. so, okay there we go now we have to do we do have to understand like what does that actually mean because like we're not living under those laws right um, but jesus also said very clearly in matthew i believe he affirmed the nature of marriage between a man and a woman and we have to understand that he was talking to a jewish audience who whether or not we adhere to the laws of the old testament they certainly were supposed to and the laws of the old testament are very clear <laughs> what they were supposed to do so jesus wouldn't have needed to say to his jewish audience mm -hmm. hey and by the way don't do this because that was pretty much a given right. uh, at that point but he did clearly Affirm the marriage union between a man and a woman. Yeah. Um, so I th that's a that's a pretty common argument from, from quote unquote from silence right now, mm. or you know, in the last ten fifteen years. Nita, do you ever have friends or or family members who don't know God who like ask you questions about like oh like what does the Bible say about this or like oh like is that really in the Bible or things like that? Um, I believe when when I was in college. Um, I was not a Christian back then, yeah. so now that I'm a Christian, I feel like my biggest my friends friendship circle are they're all Christians, so they do not <laughs> ask me that. So um, yeah, yeah. But back in college, I was I was not testifying or anything like that sure. because I myself did not have a relationship yeah. with mm -hmm. Jesus back then. So yeah. What was that transition like into starting to be like oh? 
the Bible, you said, <laughs> right? Like yeah. going from from yeah. the Bible, I don't even know what your familiarity was with mm. it at that time to like mm. all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is God's word. Like what was that? Oh, it was just super cool. We, Aiden and I met at, a, at an Indonesian Bible study group back in uh, Chicago and um, there was something that he asked me. He said, Nita, how do you get to heaven? And I, of course, said, <laughs> by doing good works, by being kind to people, by being hmm. nice to them. And he's like, that's not what, what's written in the Bible. It so I'm like, trap. really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Show me. And then, of hmm. course, he showed me uh, from Ephesians, yeah, hmm. for by grace you have been saved. Hmm. And I'm like, and, and at that time, I knew that that was really the Holy Spirit working as well, because I've been reading that. I've known that passage, but it never occurred to me what it, what it meant. Mm. And then at that time, it was like, oh, okay. Suddenly, mm. you know, suddenly I was blind, but now I see. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how, I, how it felt. It totally made sense. Mm. So, Man, yeah. Thank okay. you. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, final thoughts yeah. on... on uh, Nita's testimony are also on on It was great to hear. Amen. (laughs) Um, Sort of along those lines, uh, I've been reading the book With by Sky Jatani uh, in conjunction with What If Jesus Was Serious About Prayer. Um, And this week I read a very interesting uh, idea that really came to me at the the right time, um, just between work and a bunch of things going on. Um, it's just the idea that like faith is the full acceptance of the fact that control is an illusion. Um, Hmm. and that no matter how like secure we feel or resources that we've like built up or safety nets or things like that, like we have to accept that like faith in Jesus and living separate from fear means we have to like accept that everything we have and everything that we are is in God's hands and it's for his glory and it's for his purposes. And, um, that any, you know, no matter how much control we feel like we can sort of build up over our lives, like ultimately that's, it's not real. Um, and it's just like a, a way for us to try and, um, uh, I guess cope with the, the fear of the fact that we live in a, in a seemingly uncontrollable universe. Right. Um, and so I wanted to ask you if that's true, um, like, is that true that, that that's what it means to, oh, that's a part of what it means to have faith and, and sort of ask you at this broader question, like, what do I have control of in my life? Like, what do I truly have control over in my life? Because I think we, be, I mean, we believe that God lets us choose, right? We choose to follow Jesus or we choose not to. And so you could consider that to be control. Um, beyond that answer, are there things that I control in my life? I think the word control is an interesting one. Because to me, the connotation of control is not entirely positive. Hmm. And so I would say just, and it, we're getting kind of into semantics at this point, but if controlling means sort of like being in charge of, I would say as a believer, you shouldn't be like resting control of any aspect of your life. Hmm. Agency, I think is maybe a, a better word. I think we have agency in a lot of things, hmm. but we're always relinquishing control 
to God. Sure. Because control, I think, is an illusion. Like, we can't really control anything in kind of like the sense of like, we're going to make everything happen exactly how we want it to. Like, specifically, what couldn't, what can't you control in this? Can't even control if you're going to wake up tomorrow. Right. So there's everything gone. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, so then, I think like, I think we do have a lot of agency. We have choice, yeah. but I think control, and again, it's kind of semantics, but I no, think it's, I think it's good. How does important. agency, how does agency fit into the idea that I can't control if I wake up tomorrow? Like if I do have agency, but I don't have control over whether I wake up tomorrow, what does that agency mean? Sure. I think it means, you know, well, I think it's in James that says, you know, do not say tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Say the Lord wills that we will go to such and such a city. I think that's kind of the difference, right? It's like, mm. this is my plan. This is what I'm choosing to do. Mm. However, it, this is all under the umbrella that the Lord is in control. And like, and I don't know when my life might be yeah. demanded of me. Um, so like, and so it's kind of like using the time that you have mm. now because, you know, God isn't a puppet master pulling every single string of our life and, man, you know, making us do all these things. Um, but I would say he's in control of our lives. Um, so we're, we're choosing the path that we want to take, uh, and also acknowledging that like all of the, all of what we do or don't do ultimately is in the hands of God, because mm. if the mm. Lord wills it, he returns now. And then, the, <laughs> you know, like those, those big things are really entirely out of our control. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, I mean, it's, it's really getting now we're getting into like the free will versus God's sovereignty sure. and destination. That's like a huge difficult conversation that people disagree with in a lot of significant <laughs> ways. But you know, to me there seems to be, there's both so yeah. sovereignty and agency. Yeah. Um, and I think that relates to what pastor David said over the weekend uh, about nudgings and about, mm-hmm. right. You have to ask the Holy spirit, like, is this what I should be doing? Um, and that, I think that's part of, giving up control while having agency is like, you know, we can choose not to listen to God and indeed we often do, but it's never good. It's never the right decision. We are free to make the wrong decision. Um, and it just happens that the right decision happens to be exactly what God wants, (laughs) which throws an interesting wrench into the free will question. Like, I guess I'm free to choose all the wrong things, Um, but I'm also free to choose the right things. Right. Um, Bill. I loved what Scott said about differentiating between agency and control. Mm -hmm. Because control really is a word with a bad connotation anymore. Yeah. Mm. You want to have self-control because Mm. it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. But I I liked your opening quote that it's an illusion. Mm. You really are living diluted if you think you control a whole lot. Hmm. I mean, case in point, you worked so hard to get into Boston, into the Boston Marathon, Mm -hmm. and then it got canceled because of a massive Mm -hmm. global pandemic that you didn't see coming somehow. (laughs) Come on, Bill. (laughs) And, and, And now there's this real irony. So I couldn't get in last year because they had so many applicants mm. that you had to just be a racehorse to get in last year. This year, everyone who qualified with a qualifying time gets in. And it didn't hit me until maybe yesterday is why we all got in. It's because you have to have a vaccination to get in. Oh. oh. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So that 
cut a the lot number of, of applicants sure. probably by a third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Pretty interesting. Wow. That is interesting. It made me think about like this quote and this idea of control made me think about, you know, a year ago when I applied to grad school. Um, man, it was, it was really like, only a year, it was ago. a year and a half ago when I applied oh. to grad school. Um, and I felt so strongly that I was supposed to do it. And I, my assumption was that like, mm-hmm. I believe God's telling me like, do this, do this. Like, this is what I want you to spend the next two weeks putting all your time into. Um, and I was like, great, I guess I'm going to get in. And I didn't. Uh, and I, and I was afraid. I was like, I don't know what that means about all the other things that I feel like God's told me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it turned out, like, that the process I went through, the interview process is what inspired what is now like the core of the business that I run. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was like, Oh, that worked pretty well. Like their interview process was pretty quick and easy. And I feel like they got to know me really well with very limited effort on their part. Like, I wonder if I could integrate that for my clients. And, um, Mm-hmm. Like I never would have thought about the way that they, that, that I do things now if it wasn't for that process. And, and mm-hmm. now, you know, part of what was stressing me out is like thinking about my business and like the labor market's changing. My clients are getting to a level of funding where they can afford an in-house person rather than a third party like me. And so I'm like, well, what does that mean? It's like, well, the last time that <laughs> I thought something bad had happened, like God was just like, no, you're just going to like, this is what's going to happen now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really saying like, even when I do what God tells me to do, it doesn't mean I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's like Morgan Lang's uh, quote that I wrote on my wall. Like God doesn't call us to, to results. He calls mm-hmm. us to obedience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that because we don't know what results really means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a really great conversation with, I can't remember if I've mentioned him on the podcast before or not, but my mentor, his name is also Scott Reed. He's a real person. He works at Wheaton Willow Creek. Scott's part of a cult. I don't know if we talked about that. Actually, we found out some... So he was the worship pastor there. Uh Um, So there's that connection. We also found out that his wife, to the year, not to the day or month, but to the year is 20 years older than Leah. And he, to the year, is 20 years older than me. Uh, And we found out that we both drive bright blue little hatchbacks. <laughs> so it's just, it just keeps getting weirder. But anyway, I had a really great conversation with him last week and I was just telling him about some things that I think that God has been saying to me, but I'm like, I'm always kind of hesitant to like really own that. Cause I'm like, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to like put words in God's mouth and be like, this was God when it could have just been me. Hmm. And he had some really helpful things to say. One of the things he said, which I really appreciated and never actually had heard, like even in our conversations with the podcast about hearing from God, I don't think any of us referenced this or maybe I'm just forgetting, but, you know, Jesus says the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Mm-hmm. And he referenced that. And I was like, that is such an encouraging thing. He's like, you know, I think you kind of know in your spirit when it's God. And yeah, afterwards, sometimes you're like, oh, was that really God? And maybe it was just me thinking it. But Jesus says the sheep know the shepherd's voice and he is the good shepherd. Yeah. So, you know, on some level, we can have a good degree of confidence when we feel like God is speaking to us. And also he's like, and if you're wrong... You know, it's not like God's just going to let you walk off a cliff. Like you're trying to do what you think he's saying to do. And that's good. Like that honors him. And if you're hearing incorrectly, like he's going to course correct you. He's like, Mm -hmm. I would much rather be moving and just need to be like shifted than like be difficult to get moving at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that. It gave me a lot of, a lot of encouragement and confidence in like this thing that I felt like I'd been hearing from God, but you know, I did kind of have that doubt of like, was it really him? Yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of exactly what you're saying. It's like, you know, he might be calling you to start this and it might not end the way that you think it will, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. 
Nita, you guys just went through a huge transition this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in 2021. So last year. Yes. Um, yes. What, Oof. like, did you successfully let go of control? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good that, that we are not in control. Um, hmm. w- when we were in that transition, we felt that we were clearly called okay, Nita and Adrian, you're going to move to Florida. And Mm. then suddenly there was this change at Adrian's work and there was this possibility that he could lose his job. And at this time, we already like locked in Mm. the house, the mortgage. So Adrian, what are we going to do? We cannot afford this house. But Mm. we're like, we we heard him clearly that this Mm. is where we were supposed to go. So we followed up with it and... uh, and God pulled us through. Like the job situation is, he's busy, but he still has the job. Mm-hmm. He loves his team, so it's good. And I, I think it's it's really a blessing that we do not have control. That God is in control because mm. He sees us from above. He sees us from the beginning to the end. Yeah. And if I I don't know what I'm gonna <laughs> do tomorrow, and and what I can control is how I respond to what's happening in my life. Hmm. Um, I feel like I, I've talked to this, I've talked about this with you guys, but I, like I have chronic illness and for like the past 11 years or so, and there was this like Max, Max and liquor. Is that how yeah. I mm-hmm. say it? Yeah. Okay. When he shared that, I'm like thorn in the flesh. I'm like, that's exactly how, how I feel because God can easily just, hmm. just, just take it out from me and I'll be, I'll be okay. And, but I feel like now from this experience, I can learn to trust him more. Mm-hmm. I know that in my weakness, he is strong. Bill and Nancy have been praying countless times, have laid hands on me. So uh, it makes me f- closer to him more than anything else, mm. to, to God, also to Bill. <laughs> so I respond. Joyful heart, knowing that mm. this world is not my home, and then in heaven I will have perfect body. Yeah. yeah. So. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Wow, that was a neat story. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I, I look at this part about trusting God, that He's in control, and we aren't as just the best antidote for anxiety and worry. Mm. Mm. No wonder the Bible makes it clear that it's sinful to worry mm. because we're to be his children. And children do not lie awake at night wondering, am I going to make rent? Am I going to be able to mm. handle this car payment? Mm. They, they just don't. And if we're really to be childlike with our Father in heaven, we need to be like the children, mm-hmm. which is so easy to say, but so difficult to do when you're an adult. Mm. Yeah. But it sounds like Nita and Adrian, through praying and just affirming, we had a clear direction from God. This mm-hmm. was not us. This was God. Mm-hmm. So let's just keep trusting him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, it worked out beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Final thoughts on... Uh, Control or agency or feeling closer to Bill? 
Just download the Bloomingdale Church phone app. Yeah. <laughs> and you too can We can all closer. be close. <laughs> uh, that can be our sponsor this week. I didn't get a sponsor this week. Oh. That'd be a great sponsor. Oh, that's a good sponsor. Oh, Nita, yeah. tell us about the app. Oh my goodness. The app is the best thing, you guys. Um, <laughs> it can make you feel you closer to Bill. Closer to all of us. Uh, yeah, you can um, watch sermons online. You can check in your kids when you get them here and uh, you can you can listen to the podcast online. you can listen to the podcast that's right <laughs> aren't you tired of listening to <laughs> it on your dumb spotify app <laughs> do it on the dumb yeah. Bloomingdale church do not do it on spotify <laughs> or the website do it through the app so available on the app store and the google play store hey <laughs> well nice. done that's why we get the leave a review leave a review leave a review five star review yes please. well nothing less <laughs> at least a three <laughs> We worked hard on it. Oh. Well, I didn't, but I helped test it. Uh, Bill is teaching a class called How to Experience the Holy Spirit now in its second week. Bill, what do you guys talk about this week? Last week was the typology of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's called symbols or the emblems, which it's, this is amazing how... I never knew this until about three months ago when I read Simpson's book, The Holy Spirit, Power from on High. And he takes you through all these different typologies. And I thought, well, where have I been? I mean, hmm. I've read the Bible. I've gone to church my whole life. I've gone to seminary. I've got a doctorate in this stuff. How come I don't know this? Hmm. <laughs> and, and it's so obvious. It's like, well, there were types for Christ. Why wouldn't there be types for the Holy Spirit? Sure, yeah. So one of the types that I liked a lot was fire. Hmm. So you see fire, particularly on the day of Pentecost. Right. There were cloven tongues of fire over their heads. So then when you look at the Old Testament, you begin noticing, oh, man. This is the Holy Spirit. It's just a matter of reading at a different level instead of just reading it the same level all the time. You, you, you should expect an adult to be able to read it a, with multi-levels versus a child just learning how to read. So in the Old Testament, one of the pictures was Leviticus 9.24. I believe it is. It's the end of the chapter. And they're dedicating at the temple, at the tabernacle. And, and God is pleased with the people and what they've done. And, and his presence is made known because fire comes out and, mm. and consumes a mm. sacrifice, if I remember this right. Mm -hmm. I just read that today. And the people fall down on their face in joy in the presence of God. Now, in the Bible, there's no chapters and verses distinctions. So you just ignore the fact that now you're in a new chapter. Just think in terms of now you're reading another 50 words in, and Nadab and Abihu bring a strange incense to the Lord at the tabernacle. They know they're not supposed to do this. They are probably drunk. Okay. Because later it comes out, you are not allowed to drink and serve mm. as a priest. So this strange incense is offered to God, and God 
consumes them in a fire. Just instantaneously, a fire shoots out and kills Nadab and Abihu on the spot. Same fire. You begin to realize, same, same Holy Spirit. Pleased, mm. angry. So you start seeing this symbol of fire all throughout the Old Testament. And it enriches your reading. You realize, whoa. Especially when you consider, well, what does fire do? Well, fire cleans. Mm. Fire can really cleanse. Uh, fire can temper steel and, and make it stronger, mm. better. So that's that was neat because artistic people can pick up on this stuff real well and, yeah. and makes the Bible come alive. Mm. Mm. So that's what last week was about, the different types. It, it really was a cool class. Yeah, that's really cool. How does that help you better experience the Holy Spirit, like that typology? Well, one way you want to experience the Holy Spirit is when you're reading the scriptures. So now that you can read it at another level and say, wait a minute, fire, fire, is this the Holy Spirit? Hmm. That's one way. But it's more than that. It's all of these symbols are every day, multiple times a day, occurrences. You you do see a fire. You do see water is the biggest one of them all. Mm -hmm. So that what God is saying is, hey, you take a drink of water, think about me. Mm -hmm. That I refresh, that I keep you strong. Oh. Uh, another type is light. Light is the Holy Spirit. Well, we're sitting under a light mm -hmm. right now. So that, that's what I love about it, that you have these every moment reminders of I am here. Mm. I just just become aware of what the types are, and you begin to realize He is here. He's. I just. I've got a reminder all the time. This is awesome. Yeah. I never really think about the Holy Spirit as getting angry. Mm. That's interesting because I mean I think about yeah. you know God the Father. I think about Jesus being angry in the temple. I don't think I've ever thought about the Holy Spirit being angry, and it's kind of terrifying because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Mm -hmm. So it's terrifying to have you know God Himself living in me and angry. Usually, when I think of God mm. or Jesus being angry, it's like like a distant thing. It's not like a very close and present. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you need more Jonathan Edwards, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Our God is a consuming fire. Like, whoa. Okay. It, it balances out. A, it, it gives us a better picture of who God really is. We, in evangelicalism, we've just swung way over into positive thinking. God, is, God wants me to be happy. Okay. How badly does he want you to be happy? He, he doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to have joy, that joy. That, joy that lasts even if you're in a prison bunker. Hmm. Um, yeah, I love this course. I, I'm getting a lot out of it. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Cool. And it's, it, people can still join, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, I'm starting to realize this is a good way to help newcomers fit into the church more quickly. Just yeah. say, Why don't you come over and see what this is like? Yeah. So I think I have two of them coming over this week. Well, wow. when you say yeah. this, do you mean the Holy Spirit class or the timing of the class? The timing, that 1140 mm. business really helps. Yeah, because cool. it's right after yeah, the so service, right? Yeah. Service. Yeah. Right. And it being a half an hour, too, is more palatable. It's like, mm. well, we were going to eat at 1230, but, you know, mm -hmm. we, we can still be pretty close. We'll do it. Mm. Mm. Cool. Mm. Nice. 
Um, let's get into topic of the week. Oh, I guess any, any final thoughts on the Holy Spirit and experiencing the Holy Spirit? I think we've said all that can be said about the Holy Spirit. I think almost provably, <laughs> almost provably there's nothing off. left to say about it. Yeah, he's only in an infinite subject. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nita, you got thoughts about the Holy Spirit? Mm, I've said my piece. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good to go. Scott? Um, I, I think I'm fine for now. Cool. Uh, let's get into the topic of the week. Topic of the week. This week, uh, we're starting the first in a recurring on-again, off-again series called The 316s, where we will each uh, bring a selection. Nita, I assume you've brought a selection from the Bible. Uh, the only rule is that it has to include chapter 3, verse 16 of whatever book you select. Um, who'd like to start? Uh, any of the three of us, um, in case the listeners don't know, Nita joined the show about uh, 90 <laughs> seconds before we started recording because Daniel is in a meeting. Um, so wherever Daniel is, he's prepared because he <laughs> he found out about his meeting this morning. So he's he he's did his best he did prepared. his homework. He's prepared. <laughs> Listeners, ask Daniel which book he was going to bring to this. I'm curious. Um, I'm, I'm good to go oh, if you want. Please. Uh, go for it, Bill. Bill? All right. Well, mine is What's Leviticus 3.16. Mm. It reads this. All the fat is the Lord's. Amen. This, my friend, <laughs> is the dieter's <laughs> heartfelt keevers. Why would dieters be so happy? I feel well, like people who... All the fat belongs to the Lord. Here, I'll give you 20 pounds right now. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's speaking about sacrifices at the altar, and the fat is what belonged to the Lord in those sacrifices. Hmm. But I just love that. I think, man, oh, man. <laughs> Man, that was brief. Uh, well, I have a follow-up question. And deep. Uh, <laughs> deep and wide. Uh, Bill, uh, I so I just Bill's started... crying right now. No, I'm not that. crying. He's <laughs> wiping tears away. Tears I'm of joy. Not tears. The fat of the Lord. That is the Lord. Uh, I think it... I think the Bible explains this. So I'm, I'm reading through the Bible again. I... I mentioned this in staff meeting a couple of weeks ago, but I, after my experience reading through the Bible for ordination, I wanted to try and make it a point to, at the beginning of each new year, do the Bible in 90 days again, mm-hmm. because I just really got a lot out of it. So unfortunately, I couldn't start right at the new year because I had COVID and I was knocked out, but I did start last week and I just went, I'm in Exodus, sorry, mid-Leviticus now. And I think it does explain it at some point in the future, but there's two aspects of sacrifices, the blood and the fat that have like special mm-hmm. significance um, do you know off the top of your head what the significance of those is? Because they, they come up a lot. You know, the Lord, he does say the fat belongs to me. He says, don't mm-hmm. eat the blood. Uh, and I think it does get explained, but I can't remember off the top of my head what the explanation is. Well, I know the blood is looking forward to the death of Christ on the <clears throat> cross. We we have a way of focusing wrongly on these animals being sacrificed and forgetting that these sacrifices only have power because of what's going to happen mm. on the cross. Right. Mm. The fat part is going over my head right now. I, I don't really know. Okay. Good question. Listeners, if you know what fat means. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, Bill, I think when you say that the sacrifices only have power because of what's to come with, with Jesus um, that's explained in Hebrews, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. If I'm remembering correctly, Hebrews is a terrific book. 
the beautiful thing about Hebrews is it's all about just like the mechanics of salvation and how Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, which is super cool because I always like, especially out of college, like just had so many questions of like, what does that actually mean? How, how are we saved? How did Jesus dying actually like save us? Uh, it relates to the law and it relates to, um, like Bill said, the sacrifices, uh, before that same mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, Nita, you got any thought about fat? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best part of the meat. I try not that's, to eat it. That's a good point. It's, oh, it's good. <laughs> that's true. That's a really right? good point, especially if point. you're like in this sort of subsistence society <laughs> where you're like fat is where a lot of the nutrients are Yeah. in mm. terms of sustaining life. Mm. Uh, you think about giving that to God to be consumed in a fire instead of eating it yourself. It's like you are putting yourself in God's hands at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Checkmate. Uh, (laughs) Scott, what did you bring? Uh, So I actually, I went through, I read all the 316s today. Oh my gosh. I wasn't sure. It didn't actually take that long. No, I mean, it's it's 52 verses. 10 minutes, yeah. Um, But I, I, so I wrote down all the ones that I thought were like kind of interesting because a lot of them, not as not as great as I hope. <laughs> um, but uh, so I'm, I'll just go with the first one since I guess this will be a recurring ser- uh, segment and mm-hmm. I'll just keep going through the list. So the first one that I found that I liked, other than Bills, of course, which was you know, <laughs> great, uh, is First <laughs> which Kings. Is, which is the reason that we're doing this is because of you made a comment about that like at the end of last that, year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so the first one that I found that I thought was cool was First Kings 3.16, which says, hmm. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. Now this is, if I'm, yes, I'm not mistaken. This is the account of, uh, you know, this is right after Solomon uh, is approached by God, for lack of a better word, and, and Solomon asks for wisdom and God gives it to him. And then there's this account, it's a pretty famous story of these two women that come and they have the one baby and they're trying to figure, you know, that that's the whole thing. Um, and so I kind of knew that when I read this verse. And so the first thing that my, my thought was, was, okay, yeah, this is that story. But then I thought about this a little bit more and it says, I'm going to read this again. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. That's pretty remarkable yeah. that this was a society. Now, obviously, Solomon had a lot had a lot of flaws, and his father David, uh, who is a better type of Christ than Solomon, also had a lot of significant flaws. But that's just—it's really fascinating to me that a couple kings in, at least, you know, Israel's got a long way to fall here in history, but that prostitutes have access to the king of Israel. Hmm. They can come to him and receive fair judgment. Hmm. It certainly made me think of Jesus. You know, Jesus did not hmm. turn away prostitutes. He, he actively sought them out. Yeah. And so I just thought that was a really cool little feature of that story. I never really, I mean, maybe it's just this translation, but I'm sure if it's in this translation, there's reason to think that they were prostitutes and not just women. Uh, I didn't compare other translations, but I always thought of it as just two women when I think of the story. Yeah, me too. But the fact that it's two prostitutes mm-hmm. who, I mean, prostitution in the Bible is a very interesting subject with lots of interesting nuances with temple prostitutes and all that stuff. Mm. I don't know what kind of prostitutes they were, but either way, like we we have received the law at this point like we know what good holy sexual relations look like and it's not prostitution and yet they can still come in they can be before the king he receives them and he and he you know passes this ruling for them which i, I think yeah is very much like jesus the prostitutes come before him too and he receives them he doesn't turn them away mm. so i just thought that was really cool 
Yeah. You know, you used to be able to approach the President of the United States. Really? Yes. Which I found absolutely remarkable. Yeah. <clears throat> the people would come to Abraham Lincoln's White House, which is where he also lives, and and they would bring their concerns, particularly because of the Civil War, there would be mothers who would want to see him because you've already got three of my sons. Mm. There's nobody to run the farm because my husband just died. And I can't afford to lose these boys. Can I have one of them back right. to, to the farm? And you would appeal to the president of the United States. I mean, that's just unthinkable now. Yeah. But but that's the way it was. Well, I, I think, honestly, one thing that really kiboshed it was the assassination well, of the right. president. That they started mm. realizing we can't just have people walking in off the street and talking to the president because one of them might have a gun. And then it happened again not that much later. You know, James Garfield gets shot as he's speaking in, in a crowd and shaking hands, somebody pulls out a gun and just shoots him point blank. So I, I think really we're living in the more abnormal time of, hmm. no, you can't see the king, the emperor, the president. But that, that's the way society was, hmm. not just in the United States, but, but around the world. Hmm. Hmm. What did you go to look up, Bill? Oh, I was getting ready to look up what does 2 Kings 3.16 say, and I, oh. uh, I didn't get that far. Um, my, uh, the verse that I brought today is, uh, second Corinthians three sixteen. Mm. Um, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Um, I love that verse for a couple different reasons. It's in the middle of, of Paul kind of encouraging the Corinthians of like, Hey, um, you know, uh, as, as he often does, like, don't give up. Um, cause the Corinthians are in a, a really difficult city. Um, they're coming from a really difficult culture. A lot of them are having a hard time leaving their culture behind when it comes to, you know, its demands in, in terms of, uh, like sex and things like that. Um, but his encouragement to them is like, if people don't believe you, if, you know, you are telling people about who Jesus is, if you're sharing the gospel and they don't believe you, like understand that it's God who removes the veil. Mm. Um, it's the Holy spirit that, you know, changes people's hearts. It's, it's not you and it's not that you need to quit. Um, and I think that's beautiful. And he relates it back to, to Moses, um, in 15, he says, even today, when they read Moses's writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away for the Lord is the spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Mm. Um, and I just think, you know, that, that fits along with, with what we've been talking about today in terms of the Holy Spirit working inside us and setting us free and um, really, you know, Him alone having the power to, to change our hearts. Um, and I think that's a huge encouragement, especially, you know, I mean, even, even today in terms of just evangelizing and, and being honest with people about our relationship with Jesus and who He is and what He's done for us, but what He's done for the world is like, you know, 
um, ultimately it's going to be the Holy Spirit that moves. Um, it's, it's not going to be your words, praise God. Um, it's not, it's not going to be your cleverness, uh, or your emotional manipulation that's going to make people see who Jesus is. They're going to encounter him themselves. Um, and, and, uh, and I think that's, that's really beautiful. And the, the band, the Gray Havens have a, a song about that. Uh, called Three Birds in Babylon. Um, that's just about a, a, a girl who um, is uh, who comes to know Jesus and goes back and goes back to her friends and keeps trying to tell them, and they don't understand why she's given up uh, her life for this. Um, and one day, the Holy Spirit sings with her, um, and mm-hmm. finally, you know, they they uh, held with their eyes the dawn. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's what it is. Um, so I love that, that verse in second Corinthians. I, I, I love, uh, as I've said before, just because of the city that I come from being Seattle and, and we're very opposed to all forms of religion, but especially Christianity in that city. Um, I, I really love all of Paul's writings and, and the stories in acts that involve Corinth because, um, because on some level, even though I'm, I'm sure Corinth is so much worse and so much more hostile to the gospel, um, it, I really identify with it. And I love that he clearly has care for the people in the church and also for their work. Mm-hmm. Um, and he encourages them not to give up. Um, and he also encourages them not to like settle. Don't, you know, don't, don't find some weird middle ground between the truth of Jesus Christ and this culture you're living in. Um, but he also tells them, like, and don't give up when people reject you because mm. they're rejecting Jesus. Um, and yeah. Jesus gave his life to people who were rejecting him. Um, and he forgave them on the cross. So, like, don't, don't quit. Final thoughts on the 316s today. I've got more. Well, that's true. you got to save them. Build to that. have <laughs> got 63 more. <laughs> Actually... A number of books don't have three sixteens. Yeah, Either they don't have three, oh, yeah. or they don't have, have sixteen. Philemon doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Right. Jude. I was surprised at how many how many books. I wish I had the exact number. It's probably only like four, but there was like a, <laughs> a startling number of books that had three up to fifteen. But mm. then that was the last verse. Yes, oh. that is true. Um, yeah, I just I just read one of those the other day. Um, Nita, what's your favorite three sixteen verse? I was just looking this up when you guys started talking and my favorite book is uh, Ephesians and it's so funny Max that you picked your um, your verse because Ephesians 3.16 says I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in Mm -hmm. your inner being and I just I just like that just randomly looking for it I'm like whoa and it follows your Holy Spirit conversation that we've been having, and um, it's just that His glorious riches, that God is so willing to bless us, and He is not, how, what do you call that? He is not, He doesn't keep His blessings like with tight arms. <laughs> He's not stingy, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you, Scott. Mm-hmm. He's willing to give us, and I'm, I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit can help us pray for what God wants us to pray for. I mm-hmm. think aligning what God wants us to pray for and what we pray for. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit, Yeah. how, how he's working in our hearts. So mm. anyway, Amen. very short 
Amen. Sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. <laughs> you didn't know we were doing that until literally this. like yeah. 10 seconds before I asked you. Okay. Um, Short's powerful. Amen. <laughs> That's, I, I, I'm looking at these YouTube sermons to learn about the Holy Spirit. One guy, his sermon's an hour and 30 minutes. Well, I'm thinking... What are you, are you crazy? Who wants to listen for an hour and 30 minutes to a sermon? Oh, hurt me. That's a, that's a famous guy. I'm not saying his name. It's, a, it's one of the famous guys. You're just thinking, who is, why doesn't somebody pull this guy off the side and say, make that three sermons, man? <laughs> Bill, like one of our first episodes when we talked about uh, COVID and like what had changed, you said like, uh, sermons are now 20 minutes. 20. We can't go back to those 40 minute jobbies. Yeah. Yeah. You still hold to that, that belief? Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? When they stop listening, you've stopped preaching, whether mm -hmm. your lips are moving or not. You're, mm -hmm. you're done. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather, trivia quizzes, and hour and a half long sermons to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. We'll make Bill listen to all of them <laughs> for our closings and then rate them. <laughs> rate them out of 10. Uh, for our closing segment this week, it is finally time once again. I wrote these notes before I knew Nita would be here for this. It is finally time once again for another head-to-head, -head, the part of the show where Scott oh and gosh. Bill will compete to see who whose giant pulsing brain contains uh, relevant biblical information and can spit it out first. Uh, I'm happy just to be here. I, I don't have to be here. I will help I run it with Nita me. I think should go ahead to no, head with Bill. No. <laughs> and I'll be happy to just to be here. <laughs> uh, you will both take turns, and Nita and I will watch, uh, saying answers to the prompt. Uh, until one of you repeats an answer or takes too long. Let's get started with a nice, simple warm-up. I've got three categories. Oh, gosh. Uh, nice, simple warm-up. The tribes of Israel. Wow. Scott. The 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel. Now, I've got a question off the bat here. Bring it. Because there's this interesting dynamic with Ephraim and Manasseh. I will not be including Caleb. Levi. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse right. me. I said there's this interesting dynamic yep. with Ephraim and Manasseh, Joseph's sons, yep. and also Levi. Correct. So are we counting? I will not count Levi. You will not count Levi, but you will count Ephraim and Manasseh? You're going to have to see. Yeah, I will. <laughs> well, there's two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm done for a little while. <laughs> I've racked up enough. All right, Scott, go for it. Um, <laughs> Ephraim. <laughs> no. Judah. Ooh, okay. Manasseh. <laughs> Fine, Ephraim. <laughs> Asher. Uh, Reuben. Dan. Um, Simeon. Benjamin. Is Gad one of them? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Naphtali. Issachar? Mm-hmm. How many are we at? <laughs> There's one left. Ooh. Oh, sweet. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Nailed it. For one reason... I, I'm thinking of Zebulun. Yeah. It is Zebulun. Okay. Well for done. For some reason, I'm thinking of the only one we haven't said. <laughs> for some reason, I'm, I keep <laughs> thinking of the hey, right wait, answer. Wait. I'm sorry. I can't Can you stop even myself. point to where it is on the map? Uh, it's up north somewhere. But Ooh, uh, that'll be next week. Okay. Wow. Please don't. <laughs> Please point out where the tribes were on this map. I love that. I uh, moving on to... Um, 
A more difficult one. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, the genealogy of Jesus oh, no. in the book of Matthew. Now, you don't have to say who begat who. You just need to say some names. Okay. Uh, there are repeated names. I have removed the repeats. So there's only one of any individual name. Okay. They're repeated because it's the same name, but because somebody it's, centuries yes, later? Correct. Okay. Yes. Not because someone birthed himself. <laughs> Uh, oh, I'll also say um, in the genealogy, sometimes uh, ladies are also mentioned, like whose mother was this or so-and-so. They're included. Uh, and um, yeah, there's some other weird Easter eggs in, in case you feel like getting chippy about it. Um, Bill, start us off. Mm. Rahab. I'll count that. Mm. I'm assuming we can't say Jesus, just... Uh, he's not in the genealogy of Jesus. He's not? I don't think he's not so. listed there. <laughs> no, he's actually listed as the Messiah. Okay. So Scott loses that round. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Joseph. All right. Well, I can't remember if this one's the one that goes all the way back to Adam or not. It, this is not. This only goes to Abraham. That's very important to say. Yeah. Good point. Oh. All right. And Matthew only goes. Matthew to only goes to Abraham. Okay. Oh. So then I'll because it's fourteen from Abraham to okay, David. I'm going to work with Abraham then. Hmm. Interesting. I'm sure I knew that. Oh, you said Abraham. Mm-hmm. All right. I like that. Uh, Jacob. Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the that's, father of Jesus, which I remember. That's from, right. From, from that's Christmas so trivia. I'm going to remember that forever. I'm probably going to remember that forever. Not Jacob. The so I'll, I'll take Isaac because. He's on my mind. Nice. Uh, Judah. Yes. He better be. (laughs) I know, right? I just, I I listed them alphabetically. So that's helping me a lot. But that's the last, it's the first J name in the other column. (laughs) David. I'm sorry, no. No? (laughs) He's listed as King David. Uh, Solomon. Nice. Well, Jesse, the father of David. Mm-hmm. Obed, father of Jesse, I yeah. think. <laughs> nice. Thanks. Boaz. Yes. I'm curious. This isn't, well, I guess, I don't know if I can. Is Ruth in the in the genealogy? Is she she is in the genealogy. Okay. And I will count that. Cool. She's the husband. She is the wife of Obed. Um. She's a mother. I'm sorry, she's the mother of Obed. Excuse me? Yeah, she is. Uh, Are she and Rahab the only two women? I don't know if you can disclose that information. I can confirm they are not the only two women in the Matthew genealogy of Jesus. There's two more. Two more? There's two more. Wow. One of whom I didn't know was in here, and I've never heard of them. Sweet. Good good for them. I think. Is, Is Obed in there then? Uh, Scott already said Obed. Oh, all right. So Scott wins. So, yes. <laughs> Scott wins. Oh, my I more. So is, I know is, more. Is Solomon. Sol- not Solomon, but Solomon. Solomon. Yep. Or Salmon. Salmon. Uh, Salmon. Scott. This is just the bonus round. Okay. But, uh, Rehoboam. Um, Rehoboam. I'm curious. What is, I don't know. Maybe you know this, Bill. The, and actually, it won't be that helpful from you, Max, because you're alphabetical. The son of Judah in Jesus, is it... Something begins like a P. Oh, Perez. Perez, yes. Perez is on there. Do you know who Perez's mother was? Tamar. Tamar. Is she one of the women? She's one of the women. Sweet. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm so proud of myself. I think there's five women, and they all have a 
little bit of a shadow on their character. I only have four women on here. Oh, okay. Is Mary one of them? Well, oh, yeah. Well, Mary, yeah. She's got a shout out. I forgot about Mary. Shout out to Mary. Is Mary really important <laughs> to the genealogy? Does she of really Jesus? contribute to Jesus' birth? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Cool. Well, Scott is in a so lead. Zedekiah wasn't mentioned. Though. Zedekiah is not. Well, unless that's who Zadok is. But no, no. In At least in the NLT and in the NIV, which are the two of the three I consulted. And the ESV. <laughs> Zadok was a priest. <clears throat> All right. Well, then we move into our last section. Two points to one. Bill was still with a chance to tie things up. <clears throat> we move into miracles done in the book of Acts by Paul or Peter. I'm not going to win this one. Um, <laughs> if you can name, so if you well. can name the city and or area it was done in, <laughs> I can't. Oh my gosh! I'll give you a bonus point. Um, but uh, Scott, it's your turn to go first. By Paul or Peter specifically? By either. Yes. By either one. Okay. Um, I don't know if this counts, but I feel like. It was a miracle, and I mean, it, I mean, not, neither of them were performed by Peter and Paul. They were performed by the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, Peter preaching at Pentecost and having everybody understand it, that was a miracle. Uh, yes, that does count. <clears throat> Sweet. That is at least on my list. <laughs> I got one. It's, can't take that from me. <laughs> okay. Well, Peter and John raised the lame man at the temple <clears throat> gate beautiful in Acts 3. That's right. Which is in Jerusalem. Yep. <laughs> Bill, you're already going to win. You don't need to show up. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Scott. Um, this isn't was... even multiple choice. This is brutal. True. Uh, there was that guy that fell asleep and fell out the window, and then Paul raised him back to life. Mm hmm. Do you know where? I will never know where, <laughs> except for Pentecost. <laughs> I. Fair oh, enough. That's true. You get to take a shot at it. Oh, never mind. It was in <laughs> Can I so throw I it wrong. in there to steal? I, I had it wrong. Wow, Bill. <laughs> well, I, that's what I was wondering. Is that the way it played? Is that that's uh, Eutychus? Is Eutychus. the kid? Eutychus yeah. is the kid. Peter being released from prison by an angel in Acts chapter twelve. Ooh, that's <clears throat> good. Um, and yeah, I'll take it. Do you know where? Well, I think it was in Jerusalem. So it was. Bill's just going for the Jerusalem ones. I like that. <laughs> yeah. It's a good strategy. Scott? Um, did Paul strike Bar Jesus blind? Mm -hmm. Stand by. Do you know? Uh, no. I, know I, you know, know. I know you don't know, I don't where. know where it was. <laughs> That's not on my list, but I think you're right. Oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah. I'm literally going back to my eighth grade Bible class when we had to make videos about the life of Paul and remembering which <laughs> miracles we made wow, videos good. about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't have that on my list, but yeah, that's that's that one. I'll, that's good. Sweet. <laughs> All right. The conversion of Paul is a miracle. I'll, Being struck blind. I'll allow that. And, mm -hmm. and do you know where that happened? On the road to Damascus. <laughs> Bill is up to like seven points now, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have a lot of details about this, but I'm, well, this might have been, you said Peter and somebody healing a, a lame person? Yeah. Yeah. X3. Okay. okay. Cause I think there's another instance of Paul here healing a lame person, but it, I could be getting it mixed up with, with Peter doing the same. Uh, yes, he does. In Lystra in Acts 14. He heals a cripple. Cool. I'll take that. Peter raises Dorcas from the dead. Mm. Who could forget Dorcas? 
Do you know where? Me. I forgot. To <laughs> or the or the reference. Well, I think it's Acts twelve. It's Acts nine. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Which means it's not in Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it in Antioch? Joppa. Oh. Joppa. 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 <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, I think I'm starting to run dry. Um, I'm just going to throw this out as a guess. I don't know if this is an axe or not, but when Paul gets bitten by the serpent and doesn't die. That, that counts. Cool. That is Acts 28. Do you know where? <clears throat> nope. It's Malta. Malta. Yeah. You knew that. No, I didn't. Oh, well. <laughs> Which is where <laughs> Learn it. James Green is from. He's from Malta. Really? Oh. <laughs> That's cool. That's really Has he been bitten cool. by a snake? Has he, is, <laughs> no. has he been bitten by a snake? <laughs> All right, so... There's one more on Malta. Paul and Silas are miraculously semi-freed from prison in Acts 16 yep. with the earthquake. Oh, that's what I was about to say. Dang it. And that might be my Do you know where one. they were in prison? <laughs> Philippi. Philippi it is. Scott. That's literally the one that I was going to say. I think I might be out. Let me just go back to the eighth grade video. That's literally what I've been doing this entire <laughs> I time. I love that. Um, There's a couple of really cool ones still left. Okay. I don't oh. think I have many more. I think I'm out. He passes. Nita, do you remember any that I haven't been said yet? Okay. They, they've got everything that I remember. <laughs> <laughs> everything that's been said, I already knew. Yeah. There's, there's, that's there's, there's I don't know anymore. anymore. I don't know anymore. <laughs> there's exactly, yeah, there's, there's two that I, that I knew before this, or like, you know what I mean, that I, would, that I had in mind when I came up with this category. <laughs> Oh, but it's not Peter or Paul. I'm, I'm thinking miracles, well, give me, but they're not g- Peter and Paul. Give me one that's not Peter and Paul. Maybe Peter it's on the list. Right. Philip, in Acts chapter 8, gets translated. That's what I was going to say. Dang uh, it. After he leads the... <laughs> oh, yeah, he gets teleported. Yeah. The um, Ethiopian eunuch to salvation. I love that one. It's not on the list, but, I mean, it's yeah, great. Yeah, that's a cool it's thing. really good. Uh, any last thoughts, Bill, that you want to clean up? But again, it's it's not Peter or Paul. It, uh, this is a cool one too. Herod gets struck dead by Herod God. gets struck dead. <laughs> so this one might be Peter. You now Peter didn't perform it as a miracle, but he was present when Ananias and Sapphira lied to him. Oh, he said, yeah. "You've not lied, lied to man, but to God." That's right. The Holy Spirit. So That's exactly right. That was in Acts five. Yes, it was one to ten. Do you know uh, where they were? <laughs> yeah. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jerusalem again. Jerusalem. That's my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the... Well, that. this is the easy way to remember it. Yeah. Until you get to Acts 8, everything is in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Right. right. I'll remember that for next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> the reason why 8... I love this saying. The reason why Acts 8.1 is in your Bible is because the disciples did not obey Acts 1.8. And eight one is that they are dispersed throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And Acts one eight is you will be my witnesses throughout all the world. Mm. That's nice. Yeah. Any others you remember? Well, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to call this a miracle though. It's a prophetic miracle in my mind. It's okay. Agabus prophesying to Paul that he will be tied up mm. and ultimately. 
he will be executed. Hmm. Um, but that's not a miracle like of healing, for instance. And it's not done by Peter or Paul. No. It's done to no, them. It's told. Though admittedly, Paul's conversion is done to him. Um, so here's what we got. Uh, it, this, this list in particular uh, includes like when people receive the Holy Spirit at their hands. So oh. when Peter and John give the Holy Spirit in Samaria yeah. in, in 8. But we have... Um, Paul in Acts 19, then. Yes, Paul in the 19. Ephesians. That's right. Um, so we've got uh, Peter heals Aeneas of Paul of a palsy oh, yeah. uh, in 9 in Lydda. Uh, and then Elimus, the sorcerer, is smitten with blindness. That might be Bar-Jesus. That might be the same instance. That might be the same instance uh, in Paphos in 13. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the same instance. Um, and then Paul, given the Holy Spirit in Ephesus, Paul heals many people as well in that same section. And then Paul heals the father of Publius on Malta. Publius. Publius. Oh, yeah. That's the one I have. Okay, here's another miracle. Paul is stoned. And they, oh yeah, the disciples are circling him, <coughs> and he rises really from the dead and goes into the city. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I mean, after you've killed him, <coughs> he's fearless. He's back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that brings us to a tie. Yes, two points apiece <laughs> between Bill and Scott. So we will give this one to Nita. Congratulations, Here you go, Nita. Nita. Well done. Uh, that is all the time that we have this week. Uh, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Nita. Yeah. Thank you, Max. Nita. Oh, man. Oh, I have to remember this. Take us home. You have been listening to Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you live from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Brought to you live from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Yeah. yeah. Good job, Nita. Wow. <laughs> I listen well to you guys a lot. <laughs> is a minidab in there? A minidab is in there. This is amazing. You're blowing my mind. Uh, and yes, Judah's son is Perez. So uh, is Graham in there? Uh, yes. Ram the father of Minidab? Ram or Aram, depending on your translation. Okay. Now I'm just trying to remember the kings of Israel because they were all descended from David and should all have been. Hezekiah, is he Israel? Hezekiah, yep. Cool. Huh. And Josiah, is he Israel? Or Judah? Judah, not Israel. Judah. Uh, Josiah, yes. Cool. There's at least two more kings in here. Hmm. This is is Zerubbabel mentioned? Zerubbabel is mentioned. Wow. I don't think I knew that he was part of the genealogy. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if it's that <clears throat> Zerubbabel. Sheltiel is his father, and Abiud is his son. Hmm. I don't know if I have any more. How many are left? Um, at least 10. Oh, all right. I'm sure there's plenty between the exile and Jesus that we have not touched on. <laughs> our facts ad, is he in there? No. Okay. Good guess. So let me read you what is left. <clears throat> Ahaz, mm. Akim, Ammon, 
Asa, Asa, Azor, Eleazar, Eliakim, Elihud, Hezron, Jeconiah, Jeconiah, and his brothers. Uh, Also contributed. (laughs) Apparently. Jehoram, Jehoshaphat, Jotham, Manasseh, Mathan, Nashon, uh, Uzziah, and Zadok. So you really could just run with those kings of Judah. Yeah, you make it pretty far with them, especially with Jehoshaphat and 